Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Today is week three of our series, Uncomfortable. Today is the final week of this series. The first week I spoke to you about convenient Christianity. Everywhere that we go, we are surrounded by opportunities of convenience afforded to us simply because of where we live on this planet. There's convenience all around us. We talked about drive-throughs at fast food restaurants. We talked about smartphones and DVRs. Everywhere that we go, we are surrounded by convenience. But when it comes to your, your daily walk with Christ, when it comes to your daily walk with Christ, con- <clears throat> excuse me, convenience can become your greatest stumbling block. We looked at 1 Kings chapter 12 that first week where Jeroboam, who was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, set up altars in convenient locations to worship at, disobeying God's word to go to Jerusalem to worship. And I told you, you can sacrifice on the altars of convenience all that you want to, but you can never obey God there. You must go to where God has called you to go. Last week, I was out of town. I had the wonderful privilege of preaching pastor appreciation for my former pastor. And so I was down in Winter Haven. And Pastor Andrew led uh, services last week and had the opportunity to share God's word. And I listened to the podcast this week. And what a great word that he shared with you last week. Man, it was just tremendous. Last week, he talked about comfortable condemnation. And if we are not careful, we will convince ourselves that we are too damaged to become what God wants us to be. We will identify who we are by our past, by our sin. We'll allow the enemy to dictate who we are because of our past mistakes. Pastor Andrew taught from John chapter 4 and how Jesus, a Jew, went out of his way to have a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. This woman was so comfortable in her condemnation that she isolated herself from the other women, not even going to the well at the same time that they did because she wanted to avoid conversation. She wanted to avoid ridicule, and her past sin was defining who she was. He read where Jesus extended to her forgiveness for her sins and how he removed condemnation and replaced it with grace. And so... In this series, over the past two weeks and today, we have talked about convenient Christianity. We have looked at the dangers of becoming comfortable in our own condemnation. And today, as we conclude this series, I want to talk about conducive conviction. Conducive conviction. If convenience and condemnation are two of the greatest tools that the enemy uses to derail our lives, then I'm convinced that conviction is God's way of getting us back on track. That conviction serves a purpose in our lives. In Christianity, there are two definitions of the word conviction, and I want to share them with you today. The first definition is a strong persuasion or belief. We use this type of definition often when we talk about conviction, a strong persuasion or belief. In the Old Testament, there were four Hebrew young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and their friend Daniel, who was actually writing the book. They all had strong convictions over what they could and could not eat. Instead of eating the Babylonian king's choice meat and drinking his choice wine, they ate from the fruit of the land and, and they drank water. 
They felt so strong about their Jewish culture and their traditions and their upbringing. These were convictions that God had placed on their lives. And these convictions paid off because the Bible tells us right there in Daniel chapter 1 that after 10 days, these four young men looked better in appearance than all of the others who ate the king's choice meat and drank his choice wine. What's ironic to me is that in this day and age, people often have strong convictions about weak issues. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Yesterday, the NBA playoffs started. And so, you know there's a lot of basketball that was watched in my house yesterday afternoon. Being a basketball coach and fan, I, I, I love to watch basketball, especially college basketball. But if all you can give me right now is professional basketball, I'll watch it. I will. And I'm a diehard Celtics fan. I have been for years. And so I have strong convictions that if anybody is going to win, I want the Celtics to be the ones that win the, the championship. That's what I want. I want them to be the champions. Nobody else, just them. Strong convictions there. Strong convictions. They don't have much of a chance. They put up a good fight the second half last night, but they f still fell by one point. And, and, and so I, then you have to start looking at reality and realizing, okay, they're probably not going to win, but, but who would I want to win if they couldn't? And obviously for me, I, it's an easy decision because I love what's happening right now with the Golden State Warriors. I love what's happening. I think it's good for basketball for them to, to for us to see what, what Steph Curry is doing and these records that are being broken and all that. And so I, I feel good about that. But my son, my son is a diehard Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Strong convictions there. To the point to where he actually gets mad sitting there when Golden State starts doing something good and they're not even playing his team because he's afraid that they're going to end up in the Western Conference Finals and they're going to get beat by Golden State. But it's strong convictions. And he's not by himself. Some of you, you have strong convictions. When I talk about the Gators, man, you have strong convictions about the Gators. So do I. I'm a Gator fan. I, I like that. For those that are Seminoles in the room, it's... You really need to let conviction fill your heart today and let the Holy Spirit do a work in you. We have strong convictions about weak issues, sports, fashion, fashion. A lot of people have strong convictions about that. Food. Some of you have strong convictions about food, about what you put in your body or what you won't put in your body. Others of us in the room, we can care less. We absolutely don't care about your health kick at all. And you keep putting stuff up on social media about what we should eat and shouldn't eat. And we don't care. My daughter is going to eat ramen noodles. It doesn't matter who tells her not to. She loves them and she can care less about what you have to say. So quit putting your articles up about those noodles. <laughs> Strong convictions about weak issues. And we have weak convictions about major issues. Do you see how this is backwards? How this is is wrong for us. We could use some strong convictions in our lives today because the enemy has convinced us that we can do or say whatever we want to. He's led us to believe a lie that we just have the freedom to live however we want to live and no one has the right to say anything about that. And church, I want you to know we could use a good dose of conviction in our lives and that's what I'm praying for. The second definition of conviction is the act of convincing a person of error. 
The act of convincing a person of error. Now, this is where the lines get blurred if we are not careful. Last week, Pastor Andrew helped us better understand condemnation. Condemnation and conviction are very interesting. To the untrained heart, they can look the same. Because they both deal with the same mistakes. They both deal with the same sins. But condemnation and conviction both deal with those mistakes and sins differently. The difference is that condemnation desires to keep you there through guilt and blame. But conviction longs for you to learn from and and, and never make that same mistake again. You see, condemnation shames you, but conviction, it saves you. And and though both definitions, I believe, serve a purpose in our lives as Christians, for today, I want us to focus on the second definition, conviction. The act of convincing a person of error. I specifically want us to look at conducive conviction. The word conducive means making it easy, possible, are likely for something to happen or exist. And so when you put those two words together, conducive conviction, it means the act of convincing a person of their error to make it easy, possible, or likely for something to happen or exist. Let me read that to you again. The act of convincing a person of their error to make it easy, possible, or likely for something to happen or exist. The reason this is so important for us, church, is that God has a desired goal for our lives. He has a plan for our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God has plans for our lives. God has a a, a blueprint for what he wants our lives to look like. And in order to help us get there, he sent his Holy Spirit to make us uncomfortable in our lifestyle to convict us of our wrongdoing and anything that would keep us from becoming more like Christ. The Reuben Donnelly Company of Chicago is one of the nation's largest printers of magazines. And there at their company, they... They have this huge machine that sends out notices to people that their subscriptions have expired. And one day the machine was spitting out these notices of expired subscriptions and there was this little spring in the machine that broke. And when the little little spring broke in this big machine, it started spitting out the same notice over and over and over. And somebody didn't notice for, for quite some time. The next week, a rancher in Powder Bluff, Colorado, received 9,734 notices telling him that his subscription to National Geographic magazine had expired. That rancher got in his truck, drove 10 miles to the nearest post office, sent in his renewal money with a note that said, send me the magazine, I give up. You know, that is how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. That's how he pursues us. Notice after notice, trying his best to get our attention, to make us more like Christ in whatever area we may be lacking that. And so he sends us notice after notice after notice. The only difference is that over time, we stop filling that pool. We no longer read the notices anymore. You know what this is like. 
you keep getting that renewal notice from that company and, and, and they're driving you insane. At first, you used to read it. You would actually take the time, open the piece of mail, read what the offer was. I mean, honestly, if Dish Network, DirecTV, or Cox Communication, if they send me one more deal, one more notice, and you know what? I don't even look at them anymore. Just like you. I know what the envelope looks like. When I see it's from that company, I just rip it up and throw it away. I, I don't read them anymore. They're wasting their time. They could save so much money if they would stop sending me these notices. And that's what happens with the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's sending us these notices, and we stop reading the notices over time, and we start throwing them away without even noticing the notice. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world will be judged or is, is judged. And then listen to verse 12. This is so good. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. Will you say those three words? Say, all the truth. Say it again. All the truth. As Christians, we have settled for not knowing. When we don't have an answer for a direction in life, we have become content and comfortable in not knowing what God's direction is. We have painted way too many gray areas that, that maybe if it's not just spelled out in God's word, then, then, then we could just totally ignore that prompting from the Holy Spirit and we can do whatever we want to do. I mean, let's face it, church. When the Holy Scriptures were written, there was, there was you know, Al Gore had not invented the internet yet. And so when that, that's a joke, church. That is totally a joke. Social media was not in existence. Of course the scriptures are not going to address that specifically. But we have stopped getting on our knees. We've stopped seeking God to say, Lord, what is it that you want for my life? Holy Spirit, guide me, direct me, show me. And we have settled for not knowing he said, when I send the Holy Spirit to you, he is going to guide you into all the truth, not some of the truth. The promise is we can have direction for our lives. We can know what we should do and shouldn't do, but we have got to be willing to, to once again get on our knees and cry out to God and say, God, I'm not going to make this decision until I hear from you. I've told people for years when they've been trying to make decisions, they said, listen, I just don't know what God wants. And I've looked at them and said, until God tells you to move or until God tells you to sell or until God tells you to take that job, you don't do anything. Because if he's not talking, maybe he is talking. Maybe he's telling you, you need to stay put in that situation and in that moment. We've come 
We've become too content with just not knowing. And, and Jesus said, no, the, the helper, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He told his disciples, he said, the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict us and guide us. What's so interesting was that everywhere that Jesus went, when he taught, conviction would settle upon the hearts of the people that were listening. And they would have to make a choice. They would either change their lifestyle and follow him, or they would leave him and cling to their lifestyle. We watched that happen. Just a few weeks ago, we preached about the, the rich young ruler. We watched that happen in his life. How he could not leave a lifestyle behind and missed out on an internship with Jesus. Everyone that heard the voice of Christ, if you were within earshot, you would feel the love of God calling you to change. But something interesting happened when he sent the Holy Spirit, just as he promised these disciples, when he sent the Holy Spirit into the world, you no longer had to be in earshot of Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus had ascended to the Father. No longer on the earth as he was in physical human form. And no, now the Holy Spirit was everywhere. That's why Jesus said it was so important for him to go because now he could send the comforter. And, and wherever you were, wherever you would go, whatever you were doing, the Holy Spirit was now present on this planet to convict your heart to bring about change to make you more like Christ. And that same Holy Spirit is active in our lives today, but we have become so good at ignoring him, haven't we? We have. Do you remember what it was like when you were a child and you developed selective hearing? How many of you, you have children that have selective hearing? Anybody in the room? Let's just pray right now for each other. God, we need your touch with these kids. You know what it was like? Your kids, they sit there in a room and you're in the kitchen and you know it's getting time to leave. You've got to go meet some family somewhere. You've got to go pick up, you know, little brother from soccer practice or something. And, and you yell in there to your child. You're like, hey, clean up the toys. Get your shoes on. And you know they hear you, but they've got this selective hearing. They only hear what they want to hear. And so they completely ignore it because if they acknowledge that you said something, now they're accountable for that, right? If they say, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, or I, I'm on my way, I'm doing it. In 10 minutes when they're not ready, they are accountable and they're going to get in trouble for that. And that is exactly what we do sometimes with the Holy Spirit. We've learned how to play these games. We'll feel him pulling at our heart. We'll feel him guiding us into all truth. But we will completely ignore it. Selective hearing. That, that's what we do as Christians sometimes. And we don't want to hear what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us. You feel the nudge. You feel the guidance. You feel the conviction. But we've just become so good at ignoring it. The word conviction reminds us of imprisonment. When we hear the word, we think of a prisoner that has been convicted of a crime. But we've got to get that definition out of our minds because true godly conviction, it leads us to freedom. Freedom from addictions, freedom from temptations, freedom from sin. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 24. Acts 24, we're almost done, but I, I, I want you to see how this worked in the life of one particular individual. In today's text, the Apostle Paul has been arrested 
and is being brought to trial by a high priest named Ananias, some elders from the synagogue, and a lawyer. Paul is standing trial before the Roman governor of Judea, and his name is Felix. And the lawyer for the high priest, the ones that are against Paul, they're making accusations against Paul that he is stirring up riots among the Jews, stirring up dissension and desecrating the temple. And so Paul takes the witness stand and Paul begins to defend himself. And he says that, that he was not there stirring up any trouble, that he wasn't causing any trouble among the Jews or sowing discord. But then he admits, because he has strong convictions in his life, he admits that he is a follower of the way. You see, at this point in time, they were not referred to as Christians. The movement of Christ was referred to as the way, capital W, the way. And Paul is not ashamed because he has strong conviction in his life. He's defending himself saying, listen, you've made false accusations. If I'm guilty of anything, I'm guilty that I am a follower of Christ. I am, I am a follower of the way. And then we get to verse 17 where Paul goes on to say, after an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. You go on down to verse 22, and it says, Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, he's very acquainted with the movement of Christ, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus, as Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Church, let me tell you what happened. Felix became very convicted as he was sitting there listening to Paul talk about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment that is going to come for everybody who has ever been. Paul is talking about righteousness, self-control and judgment and this stirred up something so strong in this governor's life that Felix wanted nothing to do with that and he said no 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 you've got to stop don't just stop talk. get out of here I need you to leave and I'll call for you when it's more convenient I'll call for you when I don't feel the Holy Spirit convicting me anymore. He just didn't know what the conviction of the Holy Spirit was, but he was feeling it. Paul, you will come back and you will have some conversation with me, but right now there is something so strong on me that is wanting to produce change that I can't listen to you anymore, so you've got to leave. And when it's convenient, I'll have you come back. And you know, church, I'm convinced that some things just don't change. To this day, we become convicted when we hear someone talk about righteousness, self-control, and judgment.
man, conviction will hit our hearts. We'll feel it. I, I know what this feels like. I'll never forget a few years ago, we were at a conference and we got to hear Francis Chan minister at this conference. And man, when he finished his session, if you've never heard Francis Chan, every time he opens his mouth, there's just, it's conviction from the Holy Spirit that hits you. And he's talking about, you know, they're not going to build a church. They're just going to, you know, build a stage, an outdoor stage in, in sunny California. And, you know, he's not up to building Chanville and, you know, they're going to send money to missions and all this. And then you get to the end of it. I don't even feel like I'm saved. It's like, man, Lord, you know, just kill me now. You know, this is a conviction, heavy conviction, man. I'm telling you, we don't like it when someone starts talking about righteousness and self-control and, and judgment. Matter of fact, we have this, this tendency sometimes to dismiss conviction as judgment or condemnation when in reality, it is the Holy Spirit that's trying to get a hold of our lives. It's something we really need to pray about and discern because I know this, I know this for my own life. There have been moments when God has used people in my life to bring about change because they brought something to the forefront of my mind and said, Rocky, Think about what's happening in this area of your life. And, and these are people that I know love Jesus. I know they trust in the Lord. But it was not comfortable. It was very uncomfortable for me to have those conversations. But man, on the flip side of that, when I get to the other side, I'll tell you, it just looks so much better for me. I am more Christ-like because of those conversations and the things that were brought to the forefront of my mind. You know, when those kind of conversations start disturbing our desires to do what we want to do, we'll stop hanging out with those friends, won't we? We will. They're too judgmental. When those conversations start disturbing our desires to do what we want to do, we stop going to that church. Oh, Pastor Rocky just preaches way too hard. There's no love in that. I just need to find me another church somewhere. It's always funny to me how people respond, knowing I'm a pastor, how they respond when they see me walking up, especially when I'm visiting Florida Field during pregame and they're tailgating. It's always interesting how they begin to hide certain things. And let me tell you something. If you've got to hide what you're drinking in a koozie or red solo cup, you're probably feeling convicted over it. You just don't know how to respond to it. I remember this one guy was walking in the neighborhood and I came driving up and he's walking and he's smoking. And for some reason, listen, if you smoke, I'm not judging you. You need to work that out between you and God. That's, I have my own convictions. The last thing I ever do is put my own convictions on anyone. So I pull up, and this guy's smoking. He sees me coming. He takes a cigarette and sticks it behind his back. This has happened more than once with more than one person. But this particular day, I, I was feeling a little mean. So I just sit there for a little bit longer. I knew it was getting close to burning his fingers. I knew it. <laughs> behind his back, he's doing the little to keep those ashes falling on the ground, you know. Listen, if, it, if you feel like you have to hide it from somebody, trust me, 
the Holy Spirit is convicting you and wants to bring about some change in your life. And I'm not just talking about smoking and drinking. For some of us, it's simply running our mouth too much. The Holy Spirit is trying to get a hold of our lives and he's bringing change to all of us, including me. And he's challenging us and wanting us to grow and become more like Christ. But we are dismissing the Holy Spirit. We are throwing that notice away and we don't want to hear it. And God's people, we have to get to the place again to where we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the change that he wants to bring about in our lives. Because conviction is not comfortable, church. But it's not meant to be comfortable. If it was comfortable, it wouldn't serve a purpose for us at all. Think about it. If you have a grown child that is still living off of you, you, you wash their clothes, you pay their rent, you cook their food. You even make sure before you leave for work that they are awake so that they will not be late for their job. If, if you think they're going to move out anytime soon, you are sadly mistaken. You're going to be hard-pressed to get them to change. Why? Because they are comfortable in their lifestyle. But if you want to bring about some responsibility and change and to make them more like an adult, then you are going to have to create an uncomfortable atmosphere in order for them to grow and mature. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He creates an uncomfortable moment so that he can bring about change and the change that needs to make us more like Christ. Because conviction will create a discomfort in your spirit to get you out of uncomfortable situations in your life. And you know what some of these uncomfortable situations look like. Or at least you used to. Because when you, first were found, when you first found yourself in that situation, you wanted so bad to get up and to walk out. You didn't like the dilemma that you were in. But if you ignore that long enough, you will become comfortable in the places where you should be uncomfortable. If you don't answer that conviction, the uncomfortable is going to be right where you want to camp out. And you'll give in to that lifestyle. Verse 27 tells us that two years later, Felix is changing positions. And the Bible says that he left Paul in prison. Felix was so comfortable in his lifestyle that he was willing to leave Paul in prison. Church, don't imprison the voice of conviction in your life. Don't do it. That voice of conviction, it is needed and it is necessary for you to grow and mature in Christ. Learning to listen to conviction, it creates strong conviction in our lives. Back to the first definition. It creates those strong convictions that we need, and our convictions will determine our conduct. It, they will. Our convictions, they will determine our conduct. When you are young in your Christian walk, there is grace to cover your mistakes. How many of you today are just so thankful for God's grace in your life? Amen? When you're young, there is grace to cover those mistakes. 
And that grace doesn't stop. It continues until we get older and older and older, until the day that we finally see God face to face. But I will tell you this, grace does change. Because as you grow older in your walk, that grace grows into conviction to produce the change that's needed in your life. I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again. Let's just pretend just for a moment. Just, just, just entertain this with me. You and some friends, you, you invited some friends, you and your husband invited some friends over uh, to your house and, and you're, you had dinner and now you, everyone has made their way into the living room, but you have a little toddler and, and it's bath time. And so you take your child to get in the bath and you put them in the bath, but you come back in to have some adult conversation. You know, you just don't want to sit in there and, and, and just bathe the child. You're going to let them play and have fun for a little while. And so you come in and, and you're in there and all of a sudden you hear these little wet feet running down the hallway and you see your little child, your little small child run right through the living room, just butt naked, right through the living room, you know, right it's cute, isn't it? Everybody in the room, they just laugh, laugh because it's cute when they're little. But you let your 15-year-old son do it and it's not so cute anymore, is it? It's not. I've seen this happen. I've seen this played out. I remember this one time in, in, in Tampa, the church I was on staff at. I remember there was this one guy that was just being very belligerent during service and I had to actually leave the, the stage, leave the keyboard and I, I had to go and help ushers escort this man out of the sanctuary and, and, and I know what it was. He, was. he was battling some mental illness on top of that, I'd probably strung out on drugs and we get him out into the foyer and there's this other guy that follows me out and when I finally get face to face with this guy and, and, and he is ready to fight me. I mean, this guy is just ready to go. And this other guy who had not been saved for very long, he was a new Christian in the Lord. When he comes over and he hears this guy threatening me, he steps in and he says, Pastor, let me at him. I'll kick his A-double-S. And he just said it. He didn't spell it. He said it. And I just went, what? No, we're, we're in church. Don't talk like that, you know. I went home and I remember thinking to myself, how innocent was that? This guy was young and cried. It was so innocent and, and it was borderline cute. He's wanting to defend one of the pastors, man. You know, he's ready to kick this guy's donkey. You know, it's just, he's ready to do it. Ready to do it. That's cute then. But 10 years down the road, a mature Christian has no business talking like that. 10 years down the road, if he can't control his anger any better than that, we need to, to, to question our discipleship methods or at least the call that he has from the Holy Spirit convicting his life and him not answering that call. There are some things that grace just covers when we're young in Christ, but the conviction that the Holy Spirit gives us, it is meant to mature us. Church, I don't want to be standing in the same place in my walk with Christ this time tomorrow where I am right now. I want to grow. You know the only way that happens? Holy Spirit, you are welcome to convict my life. So many of us, we run, we cower down in fear, thinking that the Holy Spirit may want to bring about change in our lives. It is one of the greatest, greatest gifts that Christ ever gave the church to tell us, I am sending you the Holy Spirit to convict you and to lead you to all the truth so that you don't have to wonder about how to make that decision or when to make this decision. 
He says, I want to give you this gift. And, and, and for so long, we have just, just, just turned our back on that conviction. Acts 17 and 30 says, the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. I love the way the King James Version says it. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. There were moments when our ignorance to what the Holy Spirit was trying to do was cute. And God just winked at it. But he follows it up and says, But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. To turn and go the opposite direction. One Sunday morning, there was a third grade Sunday school teacher who was teaching her class of little third graders about conviction and repentance. Big words for little third graders to understand. And so to make sure that it was processing in their mind, she asked her class, what does the word repentance mean? One little boy raised his hand, very excited to give his answer. She called on him and he said, it is being sorry for your sins. The teacher thought that was a pretty good answer. But this little girl sitting next to her, she's shaking her head no. And she's raising her hand. She calls on her and she says, it is being sorry enough to quit. That's what conviction produces in our lives. It makes us want to be sorry enough to quit. That God whatever this is that I'm doing right now in my life, whatever it is I'm saying, whatever action, whatever thought is keeping me from becoming more like Christ, I'm sorry enough to stop doing that. If you haven't stopped doing something lately, if you haven't had to change your lifestyle, if you haven't had to change a habit, I challenge you. Pray for the Holy Spirit to convict your life. For some of you, you think, well, why, why would God want to be angry with me? No, he's not angry with you. That's not it at all. If that's what you heard coming from my mouth today, I apologize. That's not what it is. God's not angry with you. He loves you enough. He cares so much for you that he wants to bring about this change. Scripture says it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his love. It's his mercy. It's his grace. And the reason why he allows the Holy Spirit to bring about that conviction that leads to change in our lives is because he loves you. So don't be fooled by this. The enemy would try his best today to think, to make you think, nah, that's just someone being judgmental. No, I'm not even telling you what you need to pray about. I'm just saying you need to pray for the Holy Spirit to convict you. My prayers never stop convicting me until the day I am standing face to face in heaven and I am with Christ Jesus. Until that day, never stop convicting me. Bring about the change that needs to happen in my life and that should be all of our prayers. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person for service times and directions log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. 
Destiny Community Church for life's journey.